0: Good morning brothers and sisters we extend a warm welcome to all our brothers and sisters who have joined us in church this morning for worship of our triune god we also extend a special welcome to all the visitors who have joined us here this morning in church and also to those who have joined us remotely via the live stream may we all be comforted and encouraged through the preaching of the gospel and may god be glorified by our worship Consistory has the following announcements. This morning we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. Sister Julia Terpshire from the Free Reformed Church of Mundijong and Brother Dawa Rupka have indicated their intentions to enter into the marriage state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward... The ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Friday the 24th of June at 11am in the Free Reformed Church of Darling Downs with Reverend A. Pole officiating. The Free Reformed Church of Lagana have extended a call to candidate Anson Vendelden. This morning's worship service will be led by Reverend Poppy and this afternoon by Reverend De Jong. Before we commence, let us sing together from Psalm 99, verse 2.
1: rise, and let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you in peace, from him who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's sing another song of praise to our God. Let's sing together from Psalm 97, the verses 1 and 5. morning we have the privilege of celebrating the Lord's Supper together. It's when we reflect on our sin, when we realize how we stand guilty before God, then the grace that he extends to us in Christ becomes a very rich thing. Let's listen to the law of the Lord as it comes to us this morning in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's also make a confession of our sins. We're going to sing together from Psalm 65, verse 2. Let's pray to the Lord, and let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, you are seated on the throne with power and authority. You're a God who is glorious and majestic. You're a God who exudes light. Glory comes from you. Whenever anyone comes into your presence then when we receive an account of that, then we hear of of the extent of the majesty and the glory and the honor that you have. We thank you that you reveal that to us, Lord. We thank you that we may know about that. We now humble ourselves before you, because by nature we're not glorious. The only way we, we become glorious is when we look to you, and when your face shines upon us, when your glory shines on us, then we begin to reflect some of the glory that you have. Father in heaven, we come to you and we humble ourselves before you this morning because we acknowledge that we have sinned against you. If we look back at the last few months since we celebrated the Lord's Supper last time, if we reflect back on our lives, then we see good things. There have been beautiful things that you've done in our lives. There's been faith. There's been a lot of love. There's been a lot of, of acts of service, of kindness, of compassion, of gentleness, a lot of faithful work that we've done yet at the same time Lord we also see we see sinful things there is times where we disregard you it happens that we it happened to us that we didn't trust in you we try to figure things out by our own strength we allow a certain amount of idolatry in our lives we, we make idols in our hearts of, of the things around us we set our hearts on, on other things instead of you we don't always honor you the way that we should, Lord. We don't always respect you as you call us to. And we're sorry about that. And we pray for your grace and forgiveness for that. And we pray also, Lord, that you forgive us for the sins we've committed against others. At times we, we've said things that are not really honest. Sometimes we, we've said things about other people that, that we're not flattering. Sometimes we, we've been angry with others. We've withheld our love from others because of that anger. At times we were covetous, we're greedy, we set our hearts on the things of this world. At times we're lustful, and we acted in immoral ways. Father, there's so much sin, so many ways in which we've rebelled against you, also against your authority that you invest in others. We humble ourselves before you, and we pray for your grace for that, Lord. We ask that you would forgive us for Jesus' sake. And that we... We are heartened by what we could sing together in Psalm 65, that when we are grieved by our transgressions and overwhelmed by our sins, then you blot them out in your compassion and you give us peace again. We thank you for sending your son to, to make payment for our sins. We plead on the, on the death of our Lord Jesus, that his blood would cover us, and that for his sake that you would receive us. And we believe, Father, that you will do that because you're a good God and because you love us because of, of the grace that you've shown us in Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd also strengthen us in that. This morning with the Lord's Supper, we can be encouraged once again that our sins don't define us, but what defines us is the grace that you've extended to us in Christ. Please also build us up with the preaching. Help us to have a view for your glory, Lord, and to realize that, that when we live in that glory, when we live knowing you and reflecting you, then, then the things that we do are, are valuable in your sight. Please, Encourage us with the gospel. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. So brothers and sisters, in the last few weeks, I had the opportunity to preach to you from the first 14 verses of Ephesians 5. There's one thought in there that I never really drew out with you, and so I'd like to do that in the verses 13 and 14. And so our reading this morning is just to to refresh our memory from what we said there, Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 14. I invite you to open your Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll start reading at verse 1. At your guest Bible, you can find that on page 1162. So Ephesians 5, we start reading at verse 1. Be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality in all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, Has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So far. Let's sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 72, verses 1 and 8. We're going to sing of the glory of the King and how God also arranges things that... That the wealth of the nations are brought in to, to honor the king whom God sets on the throne. Psalm 72, the verses 1 and 8. So the text for the sermon this morning is taken from Ephesians 5. I'm just going to look at the, the last two verses there, especially the last verse. So Ephesians 5, uh, sorry, of, of the passage we read, the verses 13 and 14. Ephesians 5, verse 13, there it says, But when anything is exposed to the light, by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Well, dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, in the last few weeks, we heard the Lord's call that we flee from sin and that we walk in the light. Since we are in Christ, there's not to be a hint of sexual morality from impurity, or anything like that. No filthy language, coarse joking. God says those things are out of place for his holy people. And it's really striking to note what the passage says about that. If you, if you look at the language, it says those things are shameful. And it says those things lead to condemnation. There's no, no benefit. There's no blessing. And then Paul adds one more thing. It's in verse 11, he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. So he's saying, if you do things that are sinful, he says they are unfruitful. Sexual immorality, covetousness, filthy language, God's saying, those things don't bear any fruit. There's no blessing, there's no benefit that come out of those things. It's quite striking because there's a real contrast If you do the opposite, if you walk in the light, then it says, Paul says in the passage here, he says, the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And so if you walk in the light, then the fruit that comes out of that is is goodness and righteousness and truth. And there's a real blessing in those things. And then Paul quotes from Isaiah 60 to explain where it leads. He says that when you walk in the light then God's glory shines on you. And then in verse 3 of that chapter, if you go back to Isaiah 60 where he's quoting there, in verse 3 of that chapter he says, and the nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. If you walk in the light, if you speak what's true, if you're good, if you're righteous in what you do, then people come to you. You reflect the glory of God. Other people see that in you and they're attracted to that. They see you out there, and they, they see you doing those kinds of things, and they, they watch you, and they wonder why it is. And they say, I don't know what he's got, but, but I want what he has. And so they, they come near you, and they want to share in you. It's quite interesting. God says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that when you behold the glory of God, then you are transformed, and you start to reflect that glory. Your face shines with the glory of God as God's face shines on you. And Isaiah 2, we have another passage that talks about it. I just want to give a few passages in the Scriptures that talks about this. It's quite a theme that gets developed in the Bible here. So Isaiah 2, verse 2 and 3, "...it shall come to pass in later days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted above the hills." And all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's when his law, it's when his word goes out from Jerusalem, that a lot of people are going to say, we need to go there. Come, let's let's go up, and let's see this place, and let's see these people. Kind of reminds you of Deuteronomy four, verse six. It says, "When the nations around Israel will hear about the good laws that the Lord gives His people, that they'll be attracted to that, and that they'll wish to draw near to be with God's people." What a great nation! What a wise and understanding nation! What a great nation is that that has statutes and rules so righteous as the law that is, that I set before you today? Well, you know, it's like real life, brothers and sisters. If you meet someone who knows God, someone who walks in God's presence, someone whose God's face is shining on them, that's a beautiful person to be with. You become, the more you know God, the more you become like him. And then his light shines from you. And then people, they want to be with you. It's, it's really beautiful to be with a person who's gracious and loving, who's kind, who's truthful, who's honest, who's good. You love being with that kind of person. You seek out their presence. You go there, and you, you share your hearts. They care about you. They love you. you know, they're honest with you. It's a really beautiful thing to be in their presence. We heard it just this last week. I don't know how many of you were present for the... Uh, for the presentation by Reverend Dion. Well, part of the presentation, he, he showed this video of this man who had been converted. And one of the things that he talked about is that this man says, he says, yeah, we, we watched you come, and we, we watched you street preaching, and we observed, and we observed, and we observed, and we observed you. And what the man was implying there is he's saying, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what was the Spirit. Who are you really? And what are you saying? And can we trust you? And in the end, the man said, he said, you know, then we came to understand that you're speaking the truth. And so we came to join you. He comes out of the darkness, And he comes into the light. When he sees the light shining, then he can't resist that, but he has to come in to the light. And then it's really quite striking, when Isaiah 60 talks about this theme, then it adds a new thought to it. It says that when the nations come to the light, then one of the things they also do is they bring along the wealth that they have into the light. So Isaiah 60, verse 5, Then you shall see and be radiant, your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Then it talks about how the flocks of Kedar, the rams of Nebaioth, talks about how they will beautify God's beautiful house. All the coastlands, the ships from Tarshish, they will bring the wealth of the nations into the new city, the holy city, Jerusalem. It's quite striking when the Lord talks here about the abundance of the seas. It's one of the phrases that's used there. It's talking about all the, the benefits of trade. In some nations that went out and did trade around the world, well, the abundance of the seas would be brought into the new Jerusalem. So especially the people of Tyre. They traded with, with literally all the nations around the world. They, Tyre was just north of Israel. It was on the coastlands there. And they're renowned for their ships. And they're renowned for their wealth. And so they went and they, they traded with everyone around the world. And they brought the treasures of the world back to their, to their home country. Well, why does this matter? Well, it matters because God's not only referring to the past here, but he's also talking about the future. It's not just about nations coming to Israel. It's not just about the Israelites coming out of exile. Cyrus Ezra 1 says... You go back to your own land, and when you go back, you get to take all the treasuries of the temple. I'll give you all the gold and silver and all the, the precious things, and I'll send them back with you to Jerusalem. That's it's quite striking, Isaiah, sorry, in Revelation 21, it uses identical language to describe what's going to happen to the holy city, to the new Jerusalem, the new heaven and earth that comes out of, out of heaven from God. It says there, by its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. So once again, it talks here about the light of the glory of God shining, and the nations coming to that light. And then it says that they also bring the glory and honor, the wealth of the nations, into the new Jerusalem. What God's saying here is he's saying that that the work that you do, that the wealth of the world is going to be brought into the new Jerusalem. The work that you do, the beautiful things that come out of it, it doesn't just evaporate. It doesn't just get burned up. It doesn't just disappear. Well, these things are going to come into the new heaven and earth. You know, all good things come from the Lord. And they will be brought back to the Lord. They show his glory, and so they'll come back to him at the end of time. And so if you, if you take this idea back into our text here, brothers and sisters, what the Apostle Paul is really saying here is that he's saying there's a great contrast. If you live in darkness, if you walk in darkness, then in the end, you rest under God's wrath. And then not only is your work shameful, but it's also unfruitful. There's no fruit, there's no benefit that comes from sin. When you live in sin, when you pursue sin, if you, if you do these things, sexual immorality and covetousness and impurity, and if you devote your life to those things, then in the end, you've got nothing to show for it. But in contrast, if you walk in the light of God's glory, if God's glory shines on you, and if you reflect that, then beautiful things come out of that. And those beautiful things, they not only are things that you get to enjoy here and now, but those beautiful things will also be present in the new heaven and earth. The Apostle Paul, he, he develops this idea in 1 Corinthians 15. He, that's the beautiful chapter where he talks about the resurrection. There will be a resurrection from the dead. And so he goes and he proves how, how, this, how Christ has been raised and how we will be raised. It's the most beautiful demonstration of this resurrection. And then it ends off with one verse... The very last verse of that chapter, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. There is a resurrection, and so your labor is not in vain. What you do for the Lord, by his power, for his glory, that lasts, that endures, They're done for all eternity. God will reward the good things we do. He'll bring them into glory. Would you ever think about that, brothers and sisters? The best art, the best songs, the best innovations, we'll be able to enjoy them in the new heaven and earth? God says your work is not in vain. You know, one of the, the musicians from an earlier era, J.S. Bach, he wrote a lot of, of music, especially church music. And in all his work, he wrote the letters S.G.D. No, S.D.G. Soli Deo Gloria. For the glory of God alone. Will we be able to to enjoy Bach in the new heaven and earth? Will we not only enjoy God when we get to heaven, brothers and sisters, not only enjoy his people, will we also enjoy a grand piano or stunning photography or the benefits of a computer? Now, what these passages suggest is that they suggest that even the beautiful things, the wealth and the glory of the nations who don't know God, will also be brought into the new world. That's what happened. God gives us a picture in the Old Testament. It's what happened in the Old Testament. Solomon was very wise. He was known around the world for his wisdom. And what happened is that all the kings of the earth came to him. They wanted to hear him. They saw the light shining, and they needed to come to the light. But they also brought their glory with them. 1 Kings 10.23, thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom, and the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put into his mind. Every one of them brought his presence, articles of silver and gold, garments, myrrh, spices, horses, and mules, so much year by year. They see the light, they're drawn to the light, and they bring the glory of the nations to the light. 2 Chronicles 32-23, when God saved Jerusalem from Sennacherib, king of Assyria, it says, and many brought gifts to the Lord, to Jerusalem, and precious things to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations from that time onward. Now here you have a couple of kings. They walk in the light, and the glory of the nations are brought to them. Where in Isaiah 23, the Lord actually adds another dimension. He talks about Tyre. It's going to come under his judgment for all the wickedness of the nation. Seventy years of judgment and exile for seventy years. But then after that, it says the Tyre is going to go back to prostitute herself with the kingdoms of the world. They're going to go after all that trade and all the wealth and luxury that they used to go after. But then it concludes in verse 18. It says, Her merchandise... And her wages will be holy to the Lord. It will not be stored or hoarded, but her merchandise will supply abundant food and fine clothing for those who dwell before the Lord. Tyre gathers the wealth of the nations. It's not for herself, not for storing or hoarding, but it's to hand it over to the people of God. To grant a blessing to God's people. What your father's saying here, brothers and sisters, is he's saying that everything you do has eternal value. Your work is not in vain, but it will bear fruit for all eternity. God treasures what you do. He'll bring into glory what you have done. That will be brought into the new heaven and earth. And even the glorious things of this world will be brought into this new world. You know, in a sense, it's not a surprise. If you think, to of what it says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who dwell in it. Well, if you think about that, then do you realize how beautiful it is to be in Christ? The greatest life ever is to know Christ, brothers and sisters. If you know God, the more you get to know him, the more his face shines on you, And the more you shine with his glory. And as you know God, then your work is good and right and true. Then it bears fruit. There's beautiful things that come out of the work that you do. And as you do this, as you do this work, as you reflect the glory of God, then other people are drawn to the light. And when other people are also drawn to the light, then they bring to the glory of God the wealth of the nations. And in the end, God says this is going to be this is what we get to experience in a little way today. It's, it's a paradigm for what's going to happen in a glorious way in the new heaven and earth. God's glory is going to shine out. And all his people are going to be included. All those who are in Christ, they're going to be included in that. And they're going to benefit from all the glory of the nations. The wealth and the glory of the nations will be brought in to the people of God. What you think about that, brothers and sisters, on the one hand, it's really humbling. You realize how useless and how hopeless sin is. You know, you look in your heart and you see all the sins that you've committed and all the emptiness, and all the fruitlessness that comes of that. And you really have to, to pray to God to forgive you for all those sins. But then you also see how God promises to bless the beautiful things. And if you know Him, and if you walk in His light, if you reflect His glory, and God says, He's not only going to bring you into the new heaven and earth, you're not only going to see Him and see His people, but you will, you will share in all the blessings of all eternity. They're going to be brought into this new world, and you'll be able to, to participate in that. Let's pray for a rich measure of the Spirit of Christ. Let's, let's reflect the glory of God. Let's also look forward to sharing in his eternal kingdom. Amen. Let's sing together. We're going to sing from hymn 61, verse 1. Another blessing we get to share this morning, brothers and sisters, is the celebration of the Lord's Supper. To that end, I invite you to, to open your Bible, are gonna or sorry, your your book of praise. If you wish, we're gonna read together the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. If you want to follow along, you find that on page six hundred three of your book of praise. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper has been instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of this institution as described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 29. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. In order that we may now celebrate this holy supper of the Lord to our comfort, we must first rightly examine ourselves. Further, we must use it as Christ intended it, namely to his remembrance. True self-examination consists of the following three parts. First, let everyone consider his sins and accursedness so that he, detesting himself, may humble himself before God. For the wrath of God against sin is so great that he could not leave it unpunished, but has punished it in his beloved Son, Jesus Christ, by the bitter and shameful death on the cross. Second, let everyone search his heart whether he also believes the sure promise of God that all his sins are forgiven him only for the sake of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, and that the perfect righteousness of Christ is freely given him as his own as if he himself had fulfilled all righteousness. Third, let everyone examine his conscience, whether it is his sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with his entire life, and laying aside all enmity, hatred, and envy to live with his neighbor in true love and unity. God will certainly receive in grace all who are thus minded and count them worthy to partake of the supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who do not feel this testimony in their hearts eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and of the Apostle Paul, we admonish all those who know themselves to be guilty of the following offensive sins to abstain from the table of the Lord. And we declare to them that they have no part in the kingdom of Christ. All who refuse to trust in the Lord alone or who serve him in their own manner, all who abuse the the name of the Lord by cursing, ...or in any other way. All who do not diligently attend the worship services... ...and who despise the proclamation of God's word... ...or the sanctity of the sacraments. All who are disobedient to their parents... ...or to others in authority over them. All who violate human life... ...or cherish hatred against their neighbor... ...and refuse to be reconciled to him. All who either within or outside of holy wedlock... ...do not keep their bodies pure... All who, by stealing, greed, or extravagance, lead a worldly life. All liars, backbiters, and slanderers. Briefly, all who, either in word or conduct, show themselves to be unbelieving by leading an offensive life. While they persist in their sins, they shall not take of this food which Christ has ordained only for his believers. Otherwise, their judgment and condemnation will be the heavier. But all this, beloved brothers and sisters is not meant to discourage broken and contrite hearts, as if only those who are without sin may attend the table of the Lord. For we do not come to this supper to declare that we are perfect or righteous in ourselves. On the contrary, we seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we acknowledge that we are dead in ourselves. We also are aware of our many sins and shortcomings. We do not have perfect faith. We do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. Daily, we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. Yet by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we are heartily sorry for these shortcomings and desire to fight against our unbelief and to live according to all the commandments of God. Therefore, we may be fully assured that no sin or weakness, which still remains in us against our will, can prevent us from being received by God in grace and from being made worthy partakers of this heavenly food and drink. Let's now consider for what purpose the Lord has instituted His Supper, namely that we should use it in remembrance of Him. We're to remember Him in the following manner. First of all, let's fully trust that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into this world according to the promises made from the beginning to the fathers in the Old Testament and that he assumed our flesh and blood. From the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life on earth, he bore for us the wrath of God under which we should have perished eternally. By his perfect obedience, he has for us fulfilled all the righteousness of God's law. We remember in particular that the weight of the wrath of God caused by our sins pressed out of him sweat like drops of blood falling on the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane. There he was bound that he might free us from our sins. He suffered countless insults that we might never be put to shame. Though innocent, he was condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. He even let his blessed body be nailed to the cross that he might cancel the bond which stood against us because of our sins. By all this, he has taken our curse upon himself that he might fill us with his blessing. On the cross, he humbled himself in body and soul to the very deepest shame and anguish of hell, that he called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we might be accepted by God and never more be forsaken by him. Finally, by his death and the shedding of his blood, he confirmed the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace, when he said, It is finished. In order that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, during his last Passover, instituted the Holy Supper. He gave the bread and the cup to his disciples in remembrance of him. He taught us to understand that as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are reminded and assured of his hearty love and faithfulness towards us. It is a sure pledge that he has given his body and shed his blood for us otherwise we would have suffered eternal death. He nourishes and refreshes our hungry and thirsty souls with his crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life, as certainly as this bread is broken before our eyes, and this cup is given to us, and we eat and drink in remembrance of him. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross. It is the only ground of our salvation. Thereby, He has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink of life eternal. For by His death, He has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin, and has obtained for us the life giving Spirit. By this Spirit, who dwells in Christ as the Head and in us as His members, we have true communion with Him. We share in all His riches life eternal, righteousness, and glory. By the same Spirit, we are also united in brotherly love, true brotherly love as members of one body. For the Apostle Paul says, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. As one bread is baked out of many grains, and one wine is pressed out of many grapes, so we all, incorporated in Christ by faith, are together one body. For the sake of Christ, Who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall now love one another, and shall show this to one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. Finally, Christ has commanded us to celebrate his supper, celebrate the Holy Supper until he comes. We receive at his table a foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised, and look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb, when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Let us rejoice and give him the glory, for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. May the Almighty, Heavenly God, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ help us in this, through his Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive all this, let's now humble ourselves before God in true faith and call upon him in true faith. Merciful God and Father, we thank you that in this supper we cherish the blessed memory of the bitter death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit so that we may entrust ourselves more and more to your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that our contrite hearts may be nourished with his true body and blood, yes, with him who is the only heavenly bread, that we may not live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in him. Let us so truly be partakers of the new and everlasting testament, the covenant of grace, that we do not doubt that you will forever be our gracious Father, never more imputing to us our sins, but providing us with all things for body and soul as your dear children and heirs. Grant us your grace, Father, that we may take up our cross joyfully, deny ourselves, and confess our Savior. Let us in all tribulation await our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come from heaven to change our mortal body to be like his glorious body and take us to himself forever. Hear us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you're invited to now rise. so We're going to make a profession of our Catholic and undoubted faith, and we'll do so by singing together the Apostles' Creed as set to music in hymn one. Brothers and sisters, in order that we may now be nourished with Christ, the true heavenly bread, we must not cling with our hearts to the outward symbols of bread and wine, but lift our hearts on high in heaven where Christ our advocate is at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Let's not doubt that we'll be nourished and refreshed in our souls with his body and blood through the working of the Holy Spirit as we truly receive the holy bread and drink in remembrance of him. In preparation for the Lord's Supper now, brothers and sisters, you're invited to, to sing together. We're going to sing Hymn 59, verses 1 and 2, and then all those who are communicant members in good standing of our congregation are invited to come forward and to celebrate. And those who are not members of our congregation, since you're not under the, the authority of our consistory, we ask that you just participate by witnessing the sacrament from the pew. So let's sing together from hymn 59 verses 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. So please take and eat some bread. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. And so, some of the uh, the middle ones have um, some grape juice in there, but for the rest, please um, take and drink. Morning at the table. I'd like to read with you a few passages that develop the theme of the sermon that we heard this morning. So, the first passage I'd like to read with you is taken from Isaiah 60. We'll read the first five verses Isaiah 60, the verses 1 through 5. You can find that on page 736 of your guest Bible. So Isaiah 60, verse 1, there God's word says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They shall all gather together. They shall come to you. Your son shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. So far, let's now sing together. We're going to sing from hymn 68, verse one. Brothers and sisters, once again, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and eat. Once again, the cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Take some wine. Brothers and sisters, the next passage I'd like to read with you is just the, the following verses of, of Isaiah 60. So we're going to keep reading Isaiah 60 at verse 6, and we'll read through to verse 11. Once again, page 736. In Isaiah 60, verse 6, there it continues, A multitude of camels shall cover, cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams and Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastland shall hope in for me. The ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I've had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shot, that people may bring to you The wealth of the nations for their kings with their kings led in procession. So far, let's now sing together. We're going to sing from hymn 68, verse 4. Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some bread. The cup of blessing for which you give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please help yourself. The next passage I'd like to read with you is taken from Isaiah chapter 66. If you just flip ahead a few pages in your Bible. In Isaiah 66, we're going to read the verses 10 through 13. Actually, 10 to 14. Isaiah 66, verse 10. Rejoice with Jerusalem. And be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all, who, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream, and you shall nurse and be carried upon the hip and bounced upon her knees." As one one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass, and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. So far. Let's sing together once again from Hymn 68, this time verse 5. And sisters, it looks like this is the last table for this morning. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the precious body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some bread. The couple blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it, all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some. The last passage I'd like to read with you this morning is taken from the last book of the Bible, from Revelation, or in the second last chapter, Revelation 21. We'll just read the last verses of that chapter. So Revelation 21, starting at verse 22, page 1234 of your guest Bible. So the Apostle John has received a vision from God of the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And he describes parts of that and continues in verse 22. He says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So far, let's now sing together. We're going to sing the last song we have listed there. So, hymn 68, verse 8. So hymn 68, and we'll sing verse 8, the very last verse. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord has now nourished our souls at his table, let us together praise his holy name. Let everyone say in his heart, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who, forget, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to us, to those who fear him. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, with him, graciously give us all things? But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, and now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Therefore, my heart and my mouth shall proclaim the praise of the Lord from now on and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful God and Father, we thank you that in your boundless mercy you have given us your only begotten Son as our mediator. We praise you that he is the sacrifice for our sins and our food and drink to life eternal. Thank you, Lord, that you give us a true faith through which we may share in such great benefits. Through your Son, you've instituted the Holy Supper for the strengthening of our faith. We earnestly ask you, faithful God and Father, that by your Holy Spirit, this celebration may indeed lead to our daily increase in true faith, in fellowship with Christ, your beloved Son. Help us to live in Christ, Father. Grant that your glory would shine on us, and that we'd reflect that in our dealings with others. Grant, Lord, that many may, may seek to come to the light of your presence. We look forward to, to the glorious day when Jesus Christ returns in the clouds of heaven, where we get to see you face to face. It's an amazing promise that you tell us that, that we will be gathered to you that people from many nations will come to you and that the glory of the nations will be brought in to the new heaven and earth. You will beautify your beautiful house, Lord. And we thank you that we get to share in that through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray then, Lord, that you would please sustain us to that end, that you give us great faith and that you build up our faith. We thank you also, Lord, for the opportunity we now have to, to give our thank offerings for the proclamation of the gospel Thank you that we can collect for the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary. So grateful for the work that they do in training up the next generation of ministers. We wish to ask you, Father, for your blessing over them. Thank you that the regular coursework is done for the season. We wish to ask that you would please bless the students who have passed their classes exams. Thank you for that. Bless them in the, in the preaching that they do in the churches. There's also almost a dozen students who are going to do internships in many other churches, and we pray, Lord, for your blessing over that, that these men, too, may, may learn what it takes to be a, a preacher of the gospel and that they may grow in the task. Also pray for a blessing. The seminary this, this season, they're hoping to do some renovations. We collected some money for that in the past, and we wish to ask you for your blessing over those renovations, that it can go well, and when they start again in September, that the building can be refurbished and everything can be completed. Father in heaven, we're also grateful for one of the graduates of the seminary, for candidate Anson van Delden. Thankful that he completed his studies, that he went to classes, and that he passed his class exam, that he's now also received a call from the Church of Legana. Pray, Lord, that you'll bless him as he considers the call. Please grant him your wisdom, that he may see where you wish him to serve, and that he may also make a decision that, that glorifies and honors you. And we remember our brothers and sisters in Legana, Father. Pray that you be near to them. It's been many years since they've had their own minister. And we ask that you make it possible that they receive a pastor and teacher and that you would bless them through it. Father, we also pray for the other churches in our federation who are vacant at this time. We ask that in due time that they too can receive their own pastor and teacher. We also wish to pray, Father, that that you would please bless the men of this congregation tomorrow. We're hoping to meet together in a Seek Wisdom conference. Grant that we may have a blessed time together, that we can reflect on how to resolve conflicts in a way that glorifies you. Please give us wisdom through this and grant that that we can be built up in the service of your name. Father, we ask that you would please be near to the members of our congregation who need you in special ways, I think especially of those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Quite something here this morning to to hear, once again, about the message of the resurrection, the eternal life, and also the fact that, that everything that we do will be brought into this new world. Father, we ask that you would please then comfort us with the great promises of the scriptures, and that you would strengthen us, that our, that we may remember that our work is not in vain. Please give us a, a blessed Sunday, encourage us, and hear us in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, the collection is... Morning is indeed for the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary. You'll have the opportunity to give those thank offerings to the Lord on the way out of church this morning. Then in closing, I invite you to now rise, and we're going to sing together from hymn 8, verse 1. Receive now the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.